Welcome to another episode of the Loving Life After Loss podcast. I am your host, Marie Alessi. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, lovely people. This is Marie Alessi with yet another Upspiral Grief interview. And today I am so excited to introduce you to Susan Wallace. I'm going to get you to introduce yourself to the audience in a minute. Susan and I came across each other on LinkedIn. And Susan, without further ado, would you do us the honor and introduce yourself to our audience before we get started? Um, thank you. Um, um, Marie, it's really, um, I'm really honoured to be here today. Thank you very much for having me. And um, it's lovely to speak to um, your audience. Um, so my name is Susan Wallace. I um, live in Wollongong, which is uh, about an hour and a half south of Sydney in New South Wales. Don't know where we're all talking to, so we could be across <laughs> the country, across the world. Um, I'm primarily a mother. It's kind of my, um, my biggest identity and the one I'm most I proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so the mother of two children, um, two beautiful girls, um, I guess the reason I'm here today, and it's important to say up front, is that one of my children, uh, my youngest daughter, Sophie, is 14, and my oldest daughter, Gracie, um, is forever 13. She passed away uh, nearly four years ago. Um, so, um, and that's comes to the next part of my identity. I'm I'm very vocal in the disability community. Gracie had significant disabilities. And so I'm the chairperson of a disability provider in Wollongong. Um, and I'm also on another aged care board. I'm all about making, um, making impact wherever I can. Uh, and I work in the charitable sector as well. So my life's very full and um, I can't really fit any more in, but I'm really pleased to fit this in today. I am so pleased to have you here today, Susan, because you and I already had a bit of a pre-chat behind the camera. And uh, we actually said, maybe we should do this in person because we live like 20, 30 minutes from each other. I would really love to meet with you in person one day, but today we chose to do that in front of camera. I just want to start by saying I absolutely love the way that you speak about your girls and how you introduce yourself, because this is really... um, one topic that comes up in our group a lot that people don't know how to address this question when, and that often happens. So how many kids do you have? It's such a natural question, you know, or people ask me about my husband and I'm like, oh, well, he's dead. You know, it's always that awkward moment where you're like, how do you address that without making other people feel bad? And it's not really about other people, but you do have that in your mind. So the way you spoke about it, I just love it. You know, my oldest daughter, is forever 13. This is, this is really so honoring and so beautiful. So since you jumped straight in, I'm going to do that too and ask you, what would you like to share with us about your daughters, about your family life? Because we are here to share a message of hope and you have done that so vividly when we spoke with each other. So I said, please, 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 let's do that in front of camera. Can you share a little bit about your family? Mm. So, um. I, as I, as you know, Marie, um, I've done quite a lot of public speaking, and I, um, I, I think my message, and I will continue to do public speaking. I think my message is that you can have a good death as well as a good life, and, wow. um, <laughs> yeah, um, and that you can make you can make the hardest situations the best they can be. There are ways of of finding the joy and. Um, and and moving forward so that you 
you heal better. Um, I don't think I'm being particularly articulate, but but I think in terms of how we parented Gracie and how we lived with Gracie and then ultimately how we farewelled her, we did it yeah. in a way that um, gave us all capacity to heal and move forward and not just our family but the people around us. Um, you know, you touched on how we speak about her um, or how I speak about her. That's that's mm. a... That's a um, a targeted and a conscious way so that other people can also speak about Gracie. Um, so uh, coming, I guess coming back a step, um, Gracie was actually stillborn and revived. Um, mm. She wasn't expected to live past wow. her very first days or her very first week. Mm-hmm. So um, we approach disability from a different angle. We, um, and I don't think that this is, should be isolated. Um, I believe that disability is different, not lesser. That's my other mm. key message. Um, you know, we approximately, Thank you. <laughs> approximately one in five people identify as having a disability. So, mm. so many of us are disabled. I identify as disabled in a variety mm. of ways. And, um, and so if we see disability as just a part of the natural fabric of society, mm. That's kind of point number one. And then point number two, coming back to losing Gracie, I had 13 years and seven days, which is 13 years and seven days more wow. than anybody should have had. And so wow. I approached every single one of those days as an absolute gift. Um, now, there were a couple of years in particular that were really hard. Um, so the first couple of years were challenging and probably the last 12 months was challenging. Mm-hmm. But Despite all of that, I would go back and do it all over again. And I'm even knowing how it was going to end. I'm having goosebumps all over. This is so beautiful. And, you know, I want to highlight something that you just said, uh, because I personally um, have not directly been affected by disability by anybody close in my close family. Um, yes, in my circle of friends, I have been uh, connected to people who, who live with a disability. I personally never liked the word, the title, the label disability. And what you just said actually brought a thought to me that I want to share quickly. I think it would be so beautiful if we could change it to disability, as in it's a different ability rather than a disability. I think we should really change the wording of that. But uh, yeah, thank you so much for highlighting that because it is really, it's just different. We all have different abilities and it's it's phenomenal when you look at people um how these different abilities really shine through and make them so special and so perfect and I just love it and I love that you said you saw every single day of those 13 years and seven days as a gift because that's the different awareness that we get and that in itself I believe is a huge gift when we have that awareness how precious the time is how precious every single day is that we have together and um, when we live through something that is unexpected that really sharpens our awareness around how special a time is it really becomes an even bigger gift afterwards I have experienced that after my dad passed and I realized oh my god you know every day I have with my friends, with my family, with my kids, with my husband. It gave me so much more awareness and appreciation for the days that I did have with with my husband without knowing that he would pass early too. So thank you so much for saying that. I love it. So tell us a little bit about how you as a family live together um, and how, yeah, this interruption 
I want to call it, I don't want to call it an end because it's not, it was a, a very big interruption for your family life and it really changed after that. Can you share a little bit about that? Absolutely. Uh, so Gracie, losing Gracie wasn't entirely unexpected. Mm. Um, like I said, we, we, I approached every day as a gift. Um, my, my personal feeling and my knowledge around disability suggested that we'd lose Gracie at about the age of 15. And mm. so 13 was a little bit younger than I expected. 15, yeah. um, because of Gracie's diagnosis, um, puberty um, was a, is a real crunch time. And mm. so around about that 15 is when, uh, um, so Gracie, one of Gracie's diagnoses was epilepsy and it was actually epilepsy that was one of the big challenges. Um, yeah. Hormones yeah. and epilepsy are uh, don't go well together. So mm -hmm. I kind of expected it to be about 15. And yeah. Gracie actually had a significant medical incident um, about nine months before she died and was mm -hmm. and she should have actually died at that point. But yeah. I um, I stayed in bed with her. I, I, she was in hospital. I got into bed with her. Um, part of the backstory is that my mother died um, nine months before Gracie died. So my mother actually died wow. about six weeks before Gracie was in hospital and I thought yeah. she was going to pass. So we were approaching a Christmas without my mother. And then I mm -hmm. thought it was about November. I thought Gracie was going to go too. And I got mm -hmm. into bed with her and I, I sang to her. We Music was very important to us. I sang our favourite songs. And I very clearly said, um, I know you want to be with Nana, but it's not your time. I'm not ready yet. So mm -hmm. can you please, please hold on? And she'd been having seizures every three to five minutes for 36 mm -hmm. hours, completely uncontrollable. And um, after I, after we had that time together and when we spent that time in bed, she actually stopped seizing for eight hours. She, wow. um, and I, you know, I felt uh, I was incredibly proud and grateful, but I also in my heart knew that it was the beginning of the end. I knew mm -hmm. that we had won the battle, but not the war. Yeah. And, and I, you know, in my heart, um, and I can't tell you why or how I knew this, but I mm -hmm. knew that Gracie would go by the end of the following June. Mm -hmm. um, I expected her to be gone in that June and she actually died on the 5th of July. So my mm -hmm. estimation or my knowing was only five days out. Yeah. And, um, and that was such a, such a blessing, in, which sounds really strange. It confirmed to me that I always knew what was right for her, that we were so mm -hmm. in tune to this, that point yeah. of that. But also because I had that much warning, it meant that, I mean, imagine, and I'm going to ask you a question or put you in the place, Marie. Imagine sure. if you had seven, not seven to nine months notice that you were going to lose your husband. Mm -hmm. Would you have lived those last seven to nine months differently? Um, mm -hmm. uh, and I... And I say that to anybody, it was such a gift. The last five months in particular, my life went on complete hold. I barely yeah. left the house. I barely left Gracie. And the last mm. three months, I slept on the floor um, on a mattress beside her bed. So mm. I, um, we lived every minute and every day like it was her last. But mm -hmm. those last couple of months were immersed in yeah. seeing all the things and having all the kisses and mm. making all the memories. Um, and that's not just me. That's my husband and my and, and Gracie, sorry, Sophie, yeah. my daughter. Yeah. But the last couple of months as Gracie was really deteriorating, 
a couple of times a week, I would have that conversation with her about letting go. So I would Mm -hmm. say, you know, when I was strong enough, I would say, if you've had enough, my love, you can go now. And I, I promised her time to get emotional. I promised yeah, me too. <laughs> I promised her I would be okay. And so I kept saying, my mummy will be okay without you. We will find a way to live without you. And, um, and I, I try very hard to live by that promise. I'm not taking particularly good care of myself at the moment. So this is a reminder, a wake up call to, to go back to my promise. But um, we... Coming back to, you know, I said, you can have a good death. Um, You know, there's grief and there's complicated grief. Complicated Mm -hmm. grief happens when you have regrets, when there are things left unsaid, where you, um, there's shame or guilt around Mm -hmm. somebody's life or someone's passing. We, We gave Gracie the most amazing life possible within her limitations. Um, Mm -hmm. And not only that, we make sure that she doesn't live a second death. So here's another thing that's really important to our family. Um, We believe that people die twice. They die Mm -hmm. the first time is when they take their final breath and the second time is the last time somebody speaks their name. And so one of the ways we continue to honour Gracie is for me to have these kinds of conversations, for me to... Um, I, you know, chairing a disability organisation, mm-hmm. um, part of educating social workers through our local university. I give guest lectures. Um, and this week is a very big week for us. Um, on Friday is the large um, Illawarra International Women's Day luncheon. Mm-hmm. And um, my daughter, Sophie, will be presenting a scholarship, the Gracie oh, Wallace wow. Disabled Woman Scholarship. Mm-hmm. Um, this will be the fourth year it's presented and we have enough funding at this point to continue presenting for at least another 14 years and we will continue wow. fund or fundraise and so um, there'll be over 1100 people at this event on Friday and there's mm-hmm. another 1100 people who may not know Gracie who will know about her um, in mm-hmm. a very small way so we how do we live without her we we gave her the best death and mm. we continue to give her the best ongoing life by speaking her name, honouring her memory and creating impact for other disabled women um, and just the general community. Susan, I, I just have one word. Wow. This, this is just so incredible. I have no other words for that. Like seriously, just the way you spoke about her and also what you shared with us, how you spoke to her, it brought, brought tears to my eyes. Because, like, you know, being in a mom's perspective, I can't even imagine what that would be like to say to one of my kids, it's okay to go. You know, I, yeah, I, I get emotional just thinking about that because it, it's probably one of the most beautiful um, ways to show, to show your love for that beautiful child of yours you have brought this child into the world and you release her to go this is incredible so much love in this act alone it's incredible um i love that her name lives on through this beautiful award this is really incredible that that you are able to do that and uh, are able to do that i'm I'm absolutely certain we'll go way beyond the 14 years you know because you continue to fundraise and uh, and just by sharing the message and I'll, I'll do whatever I can to share your message. I just really support this. Um, one really big topic that comes up all the time. It's also a very big topic in my own life at the moment. And uh, for a lot of people watching this here, 
is balance. And that's what I want to talk to you about because obviously when the emphasis is on one person and there is a lot of need around that person and then of course a lot of things a lot of uh, things that happened with Gracie going to hospital and then you almost losing her and then her being back your awareness your inner knowing that she will go soon um, you know to form more and more connection yet on the other hand you still have Sophie next to you that also has her needs in terms of parenting and connection with you. Then you have your husband and has his needs in terms of, you know, partnership and connection with you. How on earth do you balance that when, you know, there's so much need here, but there's also that need there. Like being a mom of two alone is already sometimes such a balancing act. And I noticed that quite strongly when Rob passed, even just saying goodnight to them. I wanted to be in both rooms at the same time and I couldn't. So how do you balance that? How did you balance that in your family? I love that you've asked that question because it, it gets it lets me talk about something else that was really important to us. Yeah, I had please. two goals. Um, the goal, obviously, there was goal one was giving Gracie the best possible quality of life. Um, mm. And that these are not contradictory goals or, you know, they were equal goals. So yeah. giving Gracie the most the most um the best life but also ensuring that sophie wasn't broken by by having a disabled sister so we didn't yeah. want her to resent gracie we didn't want her to, and we certainly didn't want her to be broken by losing mm. gracie so of course. we we made a really um we made a decision when sophie was about 7 um where uh, we stopped buying presents and we started having experiences so her birthday and her christmas were experiences as opposed to more stuff I love um, it I love it so much <laughs> my husband um uh goes spends a lot of time uh, a lot of weekends at my brother's farm my brother has a property mm-hmm. um out um at near Taralga and so mm-hmm. there were a couple of things so um Sophie started going out to my brother's property when she was maybe four or five I don't quite mm-hmm. recall so they would go away for the weekend they would have daddy daughter time um, in in the dirt, it's mm-hmm. quite literally dirt to be honest. Not mm-hmm. mining, completely their thing. Um, so that gave me time at home just to concentrate on Gracie and to kind mm-hmm. of recharge. Because I've got to say, so Sophie's very spirited, very intelligent, um, very active, and in in a lot of ways that she's she was harder to parent than. Gracie and more exhausting to parent so having Sophie go away for the weekend left me gave me a bit of respite and it Mm -hmm. gave Mark and Sophie some time to be together so they have their thing Um, and to balance that out um, um, I quite like the five star and the finer things in life and Mm -hmm. so at least twice a year Sophie and I have our big girls weekend it's usually just Sydney but we'll go We'll, we'll go five star and we'll go to nice restaurants. Sophie gets to choose where we go and what we eat. There's usually Beautiful. a theatre show in it because mm-hmm. she loves to sing. Um, and so we, from the age of seven, so her seventh birthday, we went to see Katy Perry, mm-hmm. uh, which are pretty exciting. And so we, our balance was um, we couldn't go away as a family and have holidays and experiences, but we mm-hmm. made sure Sophie had experiences with us individually mm-hmm. and to try and, I guess, make up for the fact that we didn't have the holidays and so that mm-hmm. she didn't feel like she missed out. We didn't. Mm-hmm. We wanted her to not feel like she missed out on our time and our love mm-hmm. and our attention, but also that oh. she didn't miss out on experiences. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I 
I like to read and research and I like to pay attention and to what happens around me in, in the community. And mm-hmm. I had seen too many examples of children um, resenting their disabled sibling. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to make sure I could do everything in my power to stop that happening. And, um, you know, uh, it was out of my control to some degree. I, you know, it, it still could have gone the other way. But yeah. Sophie and Tracy ended up with the most beautiful, extraordinary connection. And, mm. um, and, and this is why Sophie's happy to present a scholarship in her name. And we still, mm-hmm. we still honour her, um, honour Gracie's memory because Sophie thinks Gracie was the best sister she could ever have and she wouldn't have it any other way either. We miss her dreadfully, of course, but... Mm. We, we agree that it's better, better to have had 13 years of Gracie than no Gracie at all. That is so, so beautiful. And you know what, Susan, I'm actually really not just honoured but really stoked that Sophie has agreed to do an interview with me as well. So anyone listening to this right now, buckle up for next week because Sophie will talk to us about her perspective of the story. And this is an absolute first. We have never done that here in Love of Love After Loss. And I'm really, really grateful that you said Sophie would be more than happy to speak to me as well and share her perspective. I would love to hear from you, though, Susan. How did you, as a family of three, cope with Gracie's passing when it did happen? Uh, You said you kind of already felt that this was happening. You sort of prepared yourself internally, yet we all know no matter how much we prepare ourselves, when it actually happens, it still hits us almost unexpectedly. So I have no other words for that. But it's just how did you as a family cope with that? What happened after Gracie died? Um, Well, we, well, you know, when someone passes away, the initial reaction is to organize a funeral so yeah we we got straight into that process um um i'm um i've worked in event management and Mm. um, control gives me comfort so i took control of that process um and my husband told me later you know a good 12 to 18 months later that he felt a little bit shut out in that process Mm. Um, um and he was disappointed that I mean, he was involved in that, you know, he was present in the meetings, et cetera, and I ran the eulogy yeah. by him. But I didn't actually offer him, I didn't ask him if he wanted to speak at the funeral. Mm. And and he, he's not sure that he wanted to because um, Sophie yeah. actually did speak at the funeral also. She she delivered oh, wow. a poem. Uh, a friend of ours wrote a poem about Gracie and so Sophie delivered that poem. Sophie was 11 at the time. Um, but, you know, Incredible. she's a, she does speech and drama and so she's a, accomplished public speaker so that was also appropriate um Mm. so we so how did we cope as a family we my husband so Gracie died on a Thursday evening um Mm. my husband actually went back to work on the Sunday um just for a couple of hours and he went on his own he just there was things that needed to be done but he also recognized he wasn't doing anything sitting at home crying and he wanted to go back to work um when nobody else was there he wanted to go back into that environment yeah see how it felt because life is never the same again so Mm. he needed to acclimatize to what new life what what work looked like um yeah we we um, do you mind me asking what your husband does for work yeah he's a financial controller um for a large um motor industry in the motor industry so so quite Mm. a big job um yeah 
but but I guess that's actually a really good question because his his employer was incredibly supportive. Um, you know, a whole group of them came to uh, Gracie's funeral and um, they donated to her scholarship. And beautiful. Um, and and you know, even going back, um, I I did a lot of fundraising for causes that were close to our heart, and mm-hmm. um, I rode my push bike from Canberra to Wollongong. That's a whole other story. But I raised. Wow. I raised $20,000 to air condition Gracie's school and, and Mark's employer gave money for that campaign as well. So um, we are very passionate people and, and um, everybody was involved in Gracie's life. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's funny, it's nearly four years ago and my memory's dim. Um, we, in terms of adjustment, about maybe about three months after Gracie died, we went away on a holiday. Mm. And we'd not been on a holiday for 10 years. We'd not been able to travel together. So that would have been my next question. I wanted to know, did you do some yeah. travelling thereafter? That's beautiful. So we we just recognised, um, it was about three months later, Gracie died in July. Mm-hmm. And about September, end of September, um, mm-hmm. we went off to just to the Sunshine Coast for a week just to, beautiful. Regroup, just to regroup and have a rest. Yeah. Um, what a perfect place to do it. <laughs> Yeah, it was, you know, just to get some sun and and mm. and that was you know, everything you do without the person you love is bittersweet. Um, you would know mm. every milestone yeah. is hard. And there were so many things that we that were not open to us as a family because Gracie mm. restricted um the the word restricted sounds negative. I don't want it to sound like that, but we I understand what you mean though. We made our life work with hers and mm. So, yeah, everything we did was um, without her has been hard and will continue to be hard. Yeah. That's incredible. I really, I really appreciate you talk, talking so openly about it because that, that level of bittersweet, it's absolutely true, you know. Like I took the boys travelling around the world after Rob died because I knew what you touched on, the milestones. I wanted to get away from all these milestones, the first Christmas without Rob, the first New Year's, the first boys' birthdays, both in January, and everything happened, you know, uh, one by one. And I said, you know what, we're going to go. I just literally made that decision on the spot. We're going to travel. And I booked a trip around the world for two months, which was so beautiful. I'm so grateful we did it. It created new memories. But as you said, all of them are bittersweet as well because you're like, I wish you could have been there with us because we had actually planned to travel around the world as a family of four for the entire 2019. The boys didn't know that at the time because we wanted to keep it as a surprise till everything was literally booked and done. But looking up there on my wardrobe, because I'm, I'm in my living room at the moment, um, I still have the entire itinerary with photos on the wall where we wanted to go. So I thought, okay, I cannot do this. I cannot, and I choose not to, uh, homeschool two boys on my own for an entire year. It would have been perfect to do that together. So what can I do? And this is the one thing I believe that we both have in common, you know, the focus on what can I do rather than what's the restriction here. And, And that's the entire thing that you did with Gracie as well, which I really love. You focus on the things you could do as a family rather than what can't we do. And I think that, that is really the message that I would love to leave our audience with today. You know, focus on the things that you can do. Focus on the things that lift you up. Focus on the things that allow some more lightness and joy into your heart. Because yes, there will be bittersweet moments. And yes, there will be moments where we realize 
I wish this person was with us and there'll be lots of those moments. It will be different. Life will always be different. Yet it is up to you what you make of it. So that is a message that I really got away from you. And I want to put the microphone back to you, the virtual one, and say, what is the message that you would like to leave our audience with before we go today? So, uh, yeah, two brief messages. Um, live life. Live and yes, life. you like. Um, live, live as long as, sorry, live, live every day as though it's your last. Um, say all the things you need to say. Um, and, and yes. um, you know, and that doesn't mean you, I'm not talking about YOLO or FOMO or whatever. Just, yeah. just make sure you love and you live a good life. Mm. And then leave the world a better place than you found it. So do something to leave the world a better place than you found it. Because if yeah. a 13-year-old girl who used a wheelchair and never spoke a word in her life can leave the world so much better mm. just by being in it and by inspiring people, then mm. absolutely everybody can leave the world better. So You've just given me goosebumps again. Thanks for all the goosebumps today, Susan. I am so privileged to have you here today. I understand how busy your day is. That's why I was so diligent with your time as well, because you are about to go into another meeting. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so looking forward to speaking to Sophie as well. I really appreciate you sharing the story and leaving such a beautiful message. For everyone else, Susan is in our group. So if you have any comments, any questions, anything for her, please place them underneath our video here and uh, Susan can get back to you. Thank you so much for being here today, Susan. I really appreciate your time, your energy, your beautiful story. This is Susan and Marie signing off. Bye for now. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed the show and you would like to find out more about Loving Life After Loss, please visit mariealessi.com. I shall see you next week. Bye.